A very good evening and welcome to this uh, Retina UK webinar. Uh, Retina UK are hosting a series of webinars on a different topic um, each month. So we'll be delivering at least one every month. Uh, we're really pleased to welcome Dominic Milne, who is a legal rights officer with RNIB. Uh, Dominic will be taking us through uh, maximising your income um, by ensuring you have access to various types of um, social security grants and benefits. Uh, so there will be an opportunity for you to ask Dominic questions at the end of the presentation this evening. Uh, and we'll be questioning your questions as you think of them. So if you have a question, um, please type it in the Q&A section, which is at the bottom of your screen if you're on a, um, a computer or if you're on a, a mobile device, tablet, for example, um, you will find that under reactions um, and the Q&A box is there. Um, so please leave your questions throughout the presentation this evening and we will ask them for you at the end um, of Dominic's presentation. So we will endeavour to answer as many questions as we possibly can. However, anything we're not able to um, get to today will be followed up over the next couple of weeks. So thank you once again for joining us. And without further ado, I'm delighted to introduce Dominic Milne. Uh, hello. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Uh, I'm just going to stop my shirt for a moment and hopefully you can all you'll be able to see me now. Um, I hope everybody can see me at the moment. Uh, yeah, welcome. Thank you for thank you for inviting me tonight. It's very kind. I'm going to put my slides on now. Let's just get my slideshow back on the screen. Here we are. And can I just check that everybody can actually see my slideshow at the moment? Not at the moment, Dominic. Not at the moment. Okay, bear me one second. Um, that's not worked. Hold on. Um, right. Okay. Share screen. Here we go. Okay, one second. Can you see it now? There you go. So yeah, if you should go back into presentation mode, and we're all good to go. Yep, splendid. Here we go. Okay, if that's good, we can move on from there. Fabulous. Yes, like I said, thank you very much, everybody. Um, I'm going to talk tonight about maximising your income, what we do at the Legal Rights Service within RNIB. We have a number of different hats, but the key one, or the key one for me especially, and for another two members of our team, is to make sure that people have got all the social security support they can. And the way we do that is we, um, we basically maximize people's benefits as best we can. And we also make sure that any other sources of help they can get, uh, that, they, that they become, that they're available to them. Now, it, it, it's quite a, a multifaceted thing, but what we do, I mean, obviously at RNIB, we have quite a big team of people. We have a team of, of excellent advisors. And what we do is we inform them and we train them in social security benefits. We give them fact sheets and we, uh, yeah, we design toolkits and fact sheets uh, and all kinds of other ways of, of giving them information that they can then pass out to people. So what I'm going to do tonight, there are a number of things here. We're in the middle of a cost of living crisis, as I'm sure you're all, uh, you'll be well aware. Um, and that's made us very busy recently. We've actually been doing quite a lot of work to try and make sure that all the, all the avenues that are possible for people are going to be covered. Now, I'm going to talk initially about benefits. And just as a quick 
just to give you a quick flavor of, of what there is within the social security system, we have a massive big, uh, a fairly massive, I would say, list of benefits that are out there. There's all kinds of benefits. The ones on the screen now are all what they call non-means tested benefits, which means that it doesn't matter what you've got coming in. If you qualify for these benefits, you'll get them. There are also a lot of means tested benefits. And here's a list of them, uh, some of which you'll, you will have heard of universal credit. And then there's housing benefit, income support, ESA, job seekers allowance, and the tax credits and pension credit. Now, what I'm going to do, there's a lot of this stuff there flying around. There's a lot of information. However, what we can do, thank goodness, is that we can, we can reduce that down to the ones which are generally really, really important to know about. The reason for that is because they are the ones that are massively underclaimed. They are benefits that apply to an awful lot of people and especially apply to people in this instance with disabilities. Now, our customers, our people with blind and partially sighted, um, they invariably will um, qualify for some of the benefits that are in front of us here. However, there's a great many people who don't claim those benefits. So what we've got here are the ones that we're going to look at, and I'm going to run through them, uh, each in turn, giving you a little bit, a brief flavour of each and how they work. Personal independence payment, or PIP, as it's well known. Disability living allowance, DLA been around a long time attendance allowance and then under that we've got carers allowance as well and then beneath them the other two we're going to look at our pension credit and universal credit now to try and talk about all these benefits and get all the detail in would be impossible in a, in a short time but what we can do and i do this kind of session quite frequently for new workers at rnib and for iClinic liaison officers generally in the, in the industry is we look at raising awareness and having an awareness of these benefits and what they do is really key. And there's a very good reason for that. There's so many people, I'm just gonna flick through to a, a, the next slide before I go back again. There are 14.6 million people in the UK who have a disability. That's kind of the most recent figure that we have. Around 4 million of those people claim a disability benefit, PIP or DLA. So that leaves about 10 million who don't actually receive any disability benefit. Now, that is a lot of people who are disabled. They wouldn't all qualify because they might not all pass the uh, quali um, hit all the criteria, but a massive amount of them probably would if they claimed. Okay, really important that this is one of the key things that I'm going to hopefully get everybody to take away with them today. Now, the key disability benefits, I've just mentioned them in the last slide. And the, what we do is we look at them as they go through life. Disability living allowance, DLA, it's a benefit for under 16s. Now, disability living allowance was around for years before the emergence of the next one along, PIP. But disability living allowance is now only newly claimed for people under 16. It does still exist with people who are older who are still getting it. That's a, that's a different story. They can still get it if you've been awarded it in the past. However, generally speaking, if you're under 16 now, it would be a DLA claim. If you're of working age, from 16 up to state pension age, personal independence payment, PIP, that is the key benefit. That's the, one of the key ones we'll look at in a minute. And then after state pension age, once you get to that age, it would be attendance allowance. Now, if you qualify for PIP before you get to state pension age, you can keep getting it. But if you're making a new claim after pension age, um, it's attendance allowance. Now, there's a great many reasons why, why this is so important to talk about. 
the, the disability benefit, the way that it's not claimed. A claimant can get one of these benefits if you meet the tests for them, and it doesn't matter what your income is, what your savings or your capital is, are, it doesn't matter at all. You can actually get these benefits on top of anything else that you get in life. Now that sounds, in one respect, that sounds very generous, but it, it generally isn't. The statistics are that this is fairly, um, gen a general statistic for people who, who are disabled, is that something like, it's an, something like an extra 583 on average pounds per month extra is what you need to be able to cope. And in some instances, it's a lot more than that. So having some extra disability benefit, it gives you that chance to have to, to, well, to cover some of those costs that people who don't have a disability don't have. Now, as I say, that you can get it on top of anything else that you've got. You're not taxed. Um, it's paid in addition to other benefits if you're on other benefits uh, or income that you have. Now, as far as sight loss is concerned, there isn't a specific benefit as such for people with sight loss. Um, however, being certified, well, being certified doesn't equal entitlement to any benefit, but if you have certification and if you have sight loss generally, the likelihood is you will probably qualify for something or you'll have a very good chance of qualifying for one of these disability benefits. We had a look at that a second ago. Now, as I say, I'm gonna go through these in turn. Each of these benefits, what I want you to do is, if possible, if you can try and take away a bit of an awareness today of what, what it is that makes, makes them tick, what it is that, that makes you qualify for them. We have lots of other information available, lots and lots. We have fact sheets, we have all kinds of things that are really useful when it comes to making claims. So in terms of giving you a brief view of these benefits, let's have a look at PIP first. Now, PIP consists of two things, daily living, the daily living component and the mobility component. The kinds of things they look at with the daily living component are things like um, getting out of bed, preparing food, taking nutrition, managing your condition, managing your therapy maybe, using a bath, um, managing the toilet, getting dressed and undressed, reading and understanding signs and symbols, which is very, very key, um, and engaging with other people face to face, communicating, all, all kinds of different things that you might have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And on top of that, we have mobility activities, planning, following journeys, and then there's another way, which is if you actually have problems moving around physically, if you have actual, say, physical pain or, or a disability that means that you can't necessarily walk or walk very easily. Now, looking at all those things, looking at the PIP activities, and this is one of our, the biggest issues that we have and what people tend to misunderstand is that they look at those things and they think, well, I can do those things. I can manage, I, I get, you know, I get by, I can get, you know, can do those things. However, what they need to look at and what we always look at is the fact that they have to apply this thing. This is what they call regulation four of the PIP regs. And it's a very key one because all those things that I've described in the last slide, all those activities, you don't actually necessarily, you're not necessarily deemed as being able to do them if you can't do them safely, which means in a manner that's unlikely to cause harm to yourself or someone else, to an acceptable standard repeatedly, i.e. it might be that you can do one of those activities once, but if you try to repeat it, you'd, you'd struggle because of fatigue or difficulties, of other, of other types of difficulties. And finally, and this is a really key one, within a reasonable time period. 
And that means twice as long as it would take a person without your condition. Now, if you, for example, or uh, if a claimant can get dressed or can take a bath, that's fine. But if it takes you twice as long as it would if you didn't have your disability or your condition, you would actually be able to tick the box, which would mean that you would get points for that. And this is what people don't tend to understand because an awful lot of people do live alone and get this benefit. Now, with PIP, as with all these disability benefits, it's not about the help that you actually get. It's about the help you require. They call it underlying need. Um, that's what really counts. Lots of people live on their own and get PIP. They don't get the help they need to do the things that they do, and they manage to do those things. However, if they take them so long or it's so difficult for them to do safely or cleanly or whatever the, whatever the issue might be, you can get the points and you can get the benefit. In order to get the, um, the standard care or the enhanced care of, of PIP, it's eight points or 12 points. And then the mobility is eight points and 12 points too. Okay, I've whizzed through PIP and I, there's a reason, well, the main reason I'm doing that is because of the time we have. Really important, really key that we look at that point again. With PIP, with all the, as with all the other ones, which we're gonna talk about in a minute, not about the help that you get. It really is, it's about the difficulties that you have, the time it takes, and you can argue, and yeah, yes, of course, I can tick the box to say I can do this, but it takes such a long time. It's tricky. It's awkward. Um, it may be that when it comes to preparing food, you, you can't use hot pans because it's not safe. Whatever the reasons might be, and there are plenty of them, uh, the, the, the uh, potential, that would be a reason for getting points and getting PIP. And an awful lot of people don't get it who should. And that's the bottom line here. Now, attendance allowance is the benefit for people who are over, um, over pension age. Once again, huge numbers of people don't claim. Um, there's a statistic coming up in a minute on one of the slides, which is basically saying that people uh, of pension age, something like 62 or 3% of them don't ever look at what they might be able to claim. Never has it been more important now in this kind of really tough time that we're going through at the moment in terms of finance and um, inflation, energy bills, really important to get this benefit if you can. Now, for attendance allowance, this is just two rates. There's a low rate and a higher rate. And on here, we've got how exactly how they define that. The lower rate is for people who need either attention, which means help, or supervision during the day or the night. So it could be that you're fine at night, but you need help during the day. Fine, that would tick the lower rate box. The higher rate, however, is for people who need attention or supervision during the day and the night. Now, that attention or supervision does not have to be constant. It needs to be frequent or regular. And that really doesn't mean all the time. If you, for example, and this is a, a good way of, um, the best way to, to sum this up, I think, is that at night, if you have difficulty three times a night and, it, and you need 20 minutes worth of help of some description, whether that be getting to the bathroom, getting back, making sure you're safe, making sure you don't fall, etc. That would tick the box for the nighttime needs. So it's really important, really key to know that. What they mean when they talk about attention, it means help from another person to do the things that you can't do for yourself. And once again, I keep saying this, you don't have to be actually getting the help. Um, and the personal help that, that, that you need has to be in connection with your bodily functions. And that's Things like, I've made a big, big list of them here. It's not exhaustive. There are more. 
breathing, hearing, seeing, cooking, eating, drinking, walking, sitting, sleeping, getting in and out of bed, washing, getting in and out of the bath, using the toilet, shaving, communicating, healthy medication. <clears throat> there are others, um, you know, it can be anything where somebody has to help you deal with one of those things, like a bodily function. Now, what it won't help you with is if you, for example, need help with the shopping, because you don't have to be with somebody when they're doing the shopping, or they don't have to be with you when they're doing the shopping even, whereas they would have to be with you if they were helping you get in and out of the bath. So it's about things where you need somebody in, I guess, in close proximity or at least nearby with you, helping you, making sure you're safe. That's what they mean by that. Um, and when it comes to supervision, they mean uh, it's about someone having around fairly straightforward this to prevent accidents to yourself or others. But continual supervision sounds a long time, but it doesn't mean all the time. It means frequent or regular. And I mentioned just now about the nighttime needs. Um, that's really kind of a, a key thing to note. It doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be a fairly regular thing. Um, yeah, just to say finally about attendance allowance, I've, you know, I'll, I'll probably keep saying this this evening. Not enough people claim it who should be getting it. They really don't. There's an awful lot of underspend on that by the government. Um, and it would, it, you know, it, the difference it can make financially is fairly significant. And I'm going to take a final brief look now at the, at the disability benefits. The final one is disability living allowance, DLA. Now, this is the one that you would claim now for a child. And it's very similar. All the things I just described about attendance allowance, the middle rate is actually the same in money and in kind of rules, more or less, as the low rate of the attendance allowance. It's for children who need attention or help or supervision during the day or the night. Higher rate for people who need attention or supervision during the day and the night. So if you need both, you might get the higher rate. Um, there's also a lower rate, though, for, the, for disability living allowance, and that's for children who need attention or help from another person for a significant portion. And that means about an hour, not exactly an hour. Doesn't have to be all at once. It could be six lots of 10 minutes or three lots of 20 minutes. Um, it, as long as it roughly works out to what they would describe as a significant portion. Doesn't have to be constant. Um, just needs to be frequent or regular. Same rules again. Lots and lots of people don't realize that they are spending that much extra time looking after their child because of the child's condition. They get used to doing it, it becomes the norm. Um, they're happy to do it. But it, it, when you look at it objectively, and then you look, you put it down on paper and you discuss it with them, you can find that actually, yes, they're spending a lot more time with a child, a child who has a condition. So it's really important that those benefits are claimed wherever possible. Once again, it's not about the help you get. It's not about um, whether or not you're getting somebody helping you to prove that you need the help. It's about whether you require it, whether the underlying need is there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the key things, I think. It's one of the things I've been doing for years and years now. We try it our level best to get take up of benefit up as much as we can. Um, and it, as, I, as I say, it's never been quite so key, I th think, as, as, as it is at the moment. Um, yeah, lots of people live alone who don't have a care or get disability benefits. So that's really key. That's one of the key things I think you can look at and people can look at with their condition um, and see whether or not, you know, as, is there anything there? Okay, yeah, actually, maybe I, I tick the boxes for that. It might be that you've got the benefit, but you're on a low rate and you think it might be 
a good idea to possibly look at getting a higher rate. That's a possibility as well. All those things, I would say, you should contact our our helpline for, um, which are, you'll be you'll get the helpline number several times here. Just to look very quickly at the amounts. It's not this isn't too important, I suppose, um, at the moment. But it, this gives you an example of how similar they are for each. So, just running down it, Pip Kurt, um, the daily living at Pip at sixty one eighty five is exactly the same as DLA middle curve 6185 and which is exactly the same as AA uh, SNSR 6185 they all have the same rules for the same parts of the day and so on um I will pass these slides on I'll pass these to Matthew at the end I'll send them through and then they can be you can uh, look you can browse through them at your own leisure after that but I'll keep moving now in terms of just uh, getting through getting through the different things that we need to look at when it comes to completing forms for these benefits and making claims, as I say, I read the RNAB PIP toolkit and benefits. You can um, you can get the fact sheets um, for the pointers on how to claim. You can get assistance. We do actually have um, RNIB volunteers who can assist with this. And the DWP also have a home visiting service. Uh, the, the pandemic played a bit of havoc with, with all the visiting, actually, but it seems to be coming back to into fruition now and people are starting to... We're, you know, the service is, is becoming possible again. Really important when making a claim, you get as much information and evidence as you can. And there's the helpline for the first time on here, 0303 123 9999. You ring our helpline, you'll be able to get a good an assessment of where you're at, what, what, what kind of, um, what level of benefit or which benefit it might be that you could claim. That's a really key thing to do. I've said it again here, it's getting a bit repetitious, isn't it? About making sure that it's that, that you remember that it's only it's about the help you uh, you need, not what you're actually getting. Um, I'll quickly mention this benefit, carer's allowance. The reason is this is a key one in a, in a way because if you're if somebody is getting one of those benefits that I've mentioned, at least in the PIP um, care or the DLA care or the attendance allowance, the mobility side of things doesn't impact on this. But people who are getting the care or the daily living, etc. Somebody can then get a carer's allowance for looking after them. Um, as long as they're over 16, not a student, and they're not working or earning over £132 a week. Carer's allowance is very common. It's claimed a lot, especially by the partners or the family members of people who are um, on DLA or PIP or attendance allowance. Very regularly claimed. It's worth being aware of. If you were to, if you had an award, um, or somebody in your household had an award of one of the disability benefits, our helpline would pick up on it straight away if there was any possibility of getting that extra benefit as well. Um, <clears throat> right, that the, the thing about those disability benefits I've just been just been describing, they are the biggest trench of benefits that are required in terms of um, non-means tested benefits, things that you can get which don't affect anything else. These, however, here are what we call the means-tested benefits. These, I'm gonna go through each of these in turn, actually. I'm gonna do them in reverse order. We're gonna look at universal credit, but first, we're gonna look at pension credit. Now, pension credit, you will have heard of it, I'm sure it's a benefit for people who are um, fairly obviously of pension age. It's a benefit you claim when you hit pension age, state pension age. Um, it tops up, the existing income that you have to a level that the government considers to be a minimum income 
they call it the guaranteed credit. So in other words, if your income is low, you may have some state retirement pension, which is not massively big, or you may have a private pension. If your income is less than a certain amount, what pension credit does is it tops it up to the level that the government think you should have. And those amounts are, if you're single, £182.60 a week. No pensioner should be on less than £182.60 per week. And if they are, they should be getting pension credit. If they're a couple, it's £278.70. So if you're a couple and the money you have coming in between you doesn't add up to that, you should be getting it and you should get that pension credit. Children's amounts can be added to that where applicable. I won't go into that now, but if you, if you were responsible for looking after a child, then you could get extra amounts. Um, one of the key things, to, and this is, this is one, of the, um, one of the really important things to mention, is that if you've got a pensioner who, are receiving, who is receiving, for example, attendance allowance, or is getting the PIP daily living, or, or the DLA, middle high care, if they're still on that after all this time, um, and if you live alone, and if no one's getting a carer's allowance for you, or any, any other kind of carer benefit, you actually get an extra £69.40 a week added onto your pension credit. So not only do you get the attendance allowance, but you'd get the pension credit with another 69 40 added on. If you're a couple and you both get attendance allowance, and we see this a lot, you get it a lot actually, you get elderly couples, they both get attendance allowance, your pension credit amount will then be add, will have another £138.80 added to it, which is double 69 40 so there is a couple's rate as well. And if one of you is a carer for the other, if maybe one of you gets the attendance allowance or PIP and the other one is looking after you and they get the carer's allowance, then you'll get an extra 38.65 added on. All these premiums, I'll just go back to that, all these premiums that I mentioned, the severe disability premium, the carer premium, they are massively undertaken up. Um, there's a huge amount. I've done so much take-up work in my life, in my working life. I've done so many, I've paid so many visits over the years to pensioners and very quickly ascertained that actually, is this all you've got coming in? In that case, we should be claiming this. We should be claiming that straight away. And the difference it can make to people's lives is phenomenal when, when you get that income maximised. Just a quick word on savings and capital, actually. Capital... If you have capital under 10,000, it doesn't make any difference to your benefit, to your pension credit. If you've got money over 10,000 in the bank, um, then a pound is taken off your weekly pension credit for every 500. So there is a little bit of a, if you have savings that are quite high, then that would, you know, that would gradually diminish your pension credit, but only slightly. It's only a pound for every 500. So you might get that knocked off as, you, as your savings are, depending on how high they are. But that doesn't include the value of your house that you live in ever. Just really worth, worth pointing that out. The value of your house that you live in doesn't count as capital because you're living in it. Um, there's a quick, I'll do a quick scenario here. I'll, I'll go through it fairly quickly. There's Mr. Smith, he's 70, Mrs. Smith, 68. They have sight loss. Mr. Smith has been diagnosed with glaucoma and he's got arthritis in his hands. Needs help with all his day-to-day -day activities, washing, dressing, medicating himself, moving around but he's fine at night, no problem there. Whereas Mrs. Smith has retinitis pigmentosa and is also, she struggles, struggles without help. Now they own their own home, which is great, no housing costs. And the only income they have though is his state retirement pension and her private pension, 160 and a 
um, and 100, making 260 quid a week. Now the couples rate, just to give you a quick, um, quick idea of what might happen there is the couples rate is 278.70. Their income is 260. So the difference is 18 pounds 70. And that's how much pension credit they get extra. If they both got attendance allowance though, because they've both got conditions there where they're struggling with, that 278.70 would have another 138.80 added to it. So the weekly applicable amount or guarantee credit as they call it with pension credit would be 417.70. So once you've taken away their income, they'd still get, they get another 257.70 per week. Makes a huge difference. It really does if they get the attendance allowance that they deserve. Um, just a quick note as well. If you're claiming pension credit, you can still get, if they had rent, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, housing benefit would help pay the rent for them. Whereas if you're of working age, if you need help with your rent, it tends to be, well, it always is universal credit. There are one or two exceptions, but not many. I keep saying it, pension credit, once again, massively underclaimed, hugely underclaimed. More than 60% of people over pension age never actually check if they're receiving enough money to live on. Um, so it's really important that we do that. The government has actually done a take-up campaign in recent months, and it has worked quite well. We've done a fairly heavy one as well at RNIB. We've pushed it very, very heavily, um, trying to get people to claim. And it does seem to be working. We've had a huge rise in uh, queries about it on our helpline. <coughs> okay, I'm going to do a quick whiz through universal credit now, which is... Um, it's more complicated, unfortunately. So I'm gonna, I'll probably gloss over one or two of these slides now, but I have, I have laid out the slides in such a way that will, I think if, um, if you were to read them after, you'd probably find you'd be all right. It should make reasonable sense. As with pension credit, it's a means tested benefit. So what it does is it tops up your existing level of income uh, to what the government consider should be the minimum. Um, Universal credit is quite, it has been and is quite a controversial benefit because it's replacing, um, it's replacing income related ESA. It's replacing job seekers allowance, income support, housing benefit. All of those will be replaced by universal credit for people by 2028. Child tax credit and working tax credit are gonna be replaced by it in late 2024, so in about two years. Um, it's paid monthly and it does include your housing costs or your, your rent, your eligible rent. Now, the same basic principles apply as they do with pension credit. Like your household income is added up, it's compared with your maximum amount for the individual or your family. And that maximum amount is made of amounts for individuals, couples, and their children. Um, extra amounts can be added on to universal credit if you're unable to work. But that involves you going through something called a work capability assessment, which is another story in itself. Um, and we do a lot of work with that. I do an awful lot of work with the, actually with the government. I've been into parliament once or twice to talk to the Works and Pensions Select Committee about this. Um, it's a complicated scenario um, when you're dealing with the work capability assessment, or it can be, and it takes quite a lot of time. An amount can be added if you're a carer, um, and any eligible rent figure can be added. When I say eligible, it doesn't, you can add your rent in, but it can only add, be a, of a level which the the local authority have agreed is the right level for that area. So if it's any more than that, you'd have to find the difference yourself, which is another controversial one. But we'll mention that a bit later again, briefly as well, actually. Um, and if you're working, you don't just use your whole earnings as your income, 
that you compare with your maximum amount, you take 55% of them. And that's the figure you use. And you can also have a work allowance knocked off that figure, um, which it depends if you've got what they call limited capability for work, if you get assessed as having that, or indeed if you've got children, you can knock off, there's two different levels, the 344 or 573. Without, I don't want to get too um, too much into the, the nitty gritty of universal debt, so I might, I might speed this one on a bit. Here are the, the, the amounts that we have for it. Um, let's not worry too much about those. I think what I would say also that it's worth pointing out, if you've got um, 6,000 pounds or under, no problem at all, that's fine. You can still have, um, you can still have universal credit uh, and it won't affect your claim at all. Um, and jumping to the bottom of that slide, if you have 16,000 or more, you can't claim universal credit. So you wouldn't be able to have a claim. But in between, if you've got between six and 16,000, you lose £4.35 a month off your universal credit for every, every 250 or part of. Um, okay, yeah, I mean, basically how it works is you calculate what, you, what you, um, your maximum amount is for you and your family. You add any elements that apply. You add on your rent and then you look at your income. You take off a work allowance and you take 55% of that and that becomes your earnings figure. Um, like I said, I'd rather not get too much into the nitty gritty of this because it is a little bit more complicated. However, it will all make sense. And I've got an example here about a lady called Jill who is 30 years old and she has a daughter. Uh, she rents a flat for 400, who works part-time, earns 500 pounds. Um, but she cares for her mother. She lives by and is on a tenant's allowance, the mother. So for Jill, the amounts for her would be the following amounts, 334 for a single person, 290 for the child, 168.81 for being a carer, and that much for her rent. That's how we would put together a maximum allowance. Her wages of 500 would take a, would knock 344 off that because she's got a child making 156. 55% of that is 85.80. And that is what would come off Jill's wages. And then she would get that for a universal credit. So she'd have that universal credit amount, some wages and rent, a 400 pound rent that she'd have to pay. Now, I think the key thing with universal, I've, I've gone very quick through that, kind of deliberately, if people want to look at that and read through the, um, read through the example afterwards when I send the, the information around, that's, that's fine. And if you have any questions, you can obviously come to us about that. The main thing I want to point, the main point that I want to make with universal credit is it's really key that people make a claim if they can. Um, there's a lot of people who are on the old benefits, on, on the ESA and um, um, income support, jobs, allowance. That's fine. If you're on those, that's fine. They're usually, I'll say usually, in most instances, we tend to find they're slightly more generous than universal credit. However, if you need to make a claim now, it would have to be universal credit because it's replacing those other benefits. Um, it's really key to, to, do, to do a check. One of the biggest things that we're doing at the moment is making sure that people check what they can get. Um, these are really tough times in terms of what's, what's going on. There's some help from the government, which um, I'll mention again in a moment. But in the main, it's really important that you check your disability benefit status and your means-tested benefit status. And that's going to be pension credit or universal credit if you're under if you are of working age. Um, yeah, that, that's the, the really, really key message is that if from nothing else this evening, if you come away thinking actually, yeah, disability benefits, they are more 
they're more, more of a possibility than I would have thought they were. And if you're looking at your income and thinking, okay, yeah, it's possible that I might fall within one of these brackets for getting some help. It doesn't cost anything to get a check, to get it checked. So you can give us a ring. Somebody on our helpline will probably do it on the spot. Um, if it's any more complicated, they might ask you to ring back and they'll spend a session going through stuff to make see what you qualify for. But they'll, they'll probably have a very good idea very quickly of what might be able to be claimed. The other thing that's really worth pointing out, and this is one of the major things that the Legal Rights Service do that I'm involved in, is about challenging decisions. Now, if you, you can challenge a decision within a month um, of a decision either to say yes or no for a benefit. Um, <clears throat> you can be late with that if you've got a good reason, but generally speaking, it's best to cover the deadlines if you can. If you haven't been, if you've, for example, made a claim for PIP and you've been turned down, they've said, no, we don't think you qualify. It is well worth checking to see if that's correct. And the big reason for that is 62% of PIP decisions are changed in favour of the claimant at appeal. And 60% of those decisions are changed without any different information going forward. So it's not like you've made a claim and then you've they've looked at it again and you've given them something else to ponder and maybe uh, work in your favour. It's a very high level. The other thing that I will say, I haven't written this down in here, but RNIB, we do representation for people who've been turned down. And the percentage that RNIB's welfare benefits site loss advisors get is near, near enough 100%. They will do an assessment. And if they when they look at a case, if they think it's, it's got legs and it will go forward, they will invariably win it. Um, it's well worth challenging decisions. The, the DWP don't get them all right. That's no surprise, I imagine. They're very busy, the DWP. Give them, some, you know, give them a little bit of slack on that. They are very busy. They're trying to make a lot of decisions. And they don't always get dis, uh, claims that have been made fully and perhaps as, uh, with as much detail as, as was necessary. But it's well worth challenging always. Get advice from our helpline and, and challenge. Um, if you're struggling financially in any way, contact us for a benefit check. We'll be able to check whether your income is sufficiently low to warrant pension credit or universal credit. We can assess your eligibility for any appropriate disability benefit. Helpline number there is 0303-123-9999. Now, at the moment, I've mentioned the cost of living crisis a few times. The other sources of help out there, there are cost of living support payments. <coughs> a lot of them have been in the, well, they've been in the, um, you'd have heard them maybe in the budget recently, the autumn statement by the Chancellor. Um, they're being paid automatically. So if you are eligible, you should get them automatically. One or two of them I know have had a bit of a delay on, especially the vouchers for people who were getting energy help um, who use meters, use pay-as-you-go meters. That help is being sorted, I believe, and it is a bit late. But broadly speaking, if you qualify for a cost of living support payment because you're on a, on a means-tested benefit or on a disability benefit, you'll get those. If you're not getting them, do get in touch. There's a whole new raft of them that have been... Um, announced for next year, of course, all of which we'll have in a, um, it, well, in, in a free, we have an FAQ um, thing about, um, about the cost of living payments. We have one for this year, which is still current. There'll be a new one coming out in January, once we know the dates of the new payments. Like I say, they should be automatic. 
and you should get them if you qualify. Now, the other things that are worth mentioning quickly are the Household Support Fund. That was another one that um, Jeremy Hunt mentioned in his, um, in his speech, in his statement. They've added another billion to this, I think, or is it even two billion? I'm not sure. It's quite a lot of money. This is the Household Support Fund. This is something that is run by local authorities. And what they do is they give the money, the government gives the money to local authorities, and they decide who should have it. But it's to help with things like, well, anything where you're struggling, if you're struggling to support yourself or your family, the Household Support Fund, you can make an application to it. Well worth knowing about. We haven't got any real experience of knowing how people are getting on with that. We know it's um, obviously local authorities are under some pressure, uh, but it's well worth being aware of. And if you need any assistance, you can get in touch with us about that. Um, Warm Homes Discount Scheme. This is a bit controversial again. It used to be available for everybody on a disability benefit, but not anymore. It's only available for people on who are on the pension credit that I mentioned, on the guarantee element of pension credit, and also um, other people as well on means-tested benefits who make an application for it. However, well worth looking into if you need that help. And the final one I've mentioned here is um, discretionary housing payments. This is where your rent is not being covered by your benefit because your rent may be slightly higher than your local, your local authority housing allowance, um, i.e. that's kind of the amount that they think you ought to be paying in your area. And if your rent's a bit more than that, a discretionary housing payment can cover that difference for you, but it's not for long. They tend to award it for a short while, whilst you then find some other means of, of dealing with it or moving. So it's not, um, it's not a massive help, but it is a help. Discretionary housing payments are the to hopefully assist people, at least in the short term. Now, all of this information is in our RNIB cost of living fact sheet, a copy of which can go around to everybody who would like one today, along with these slides, along with our helpline number, and along with any other, um, uh, any other information that you feel you might like. As I say, we've got fact sheets on all the benefits that I've been talking about. And, um, I'm going to stop talking now and I'm going to hopefully take some questions. I'll stop sharing my screen and fingers crossed, we will have a little bit of time now and, and get some questions in. Great. Thanks, Dominic. That was, um, that was really, really useful. Um, benefits is something that we're often asked about um, and we do um, typically refer to um, the RIB team. Uh, you guys have got a, a wealth of experience in that, um, in that arena. So, um, Best laid to um, defer to yourselves. So as I said before, anybody with any questions, um, please do leave them in the, um, in the Q and A section. Um, I've got a couple here just to start with Dominic. Um, you, you kind of mentioned the um, kind of the government related um, and the social security benefits as such. Um, can you talk around any, um, any other things like TV license and such like that people can, um, and apply for um, discounts and things that way? I think it was probably easier because I haven't got any information directly to hand on, on that. Um, there is, um, um, I'm trying to think what would be the best way of doing that. We do have information that I can send through, which might, might be easier. Uh, we do have some information about those kinds of uh, the, the benefits like that. Um, also, there are things like the blind person's tax allowance, of course, which is which is there available for people who who are working, which has been raised recently. Um, I think probably easy, Matthew. If I if I can get some information and send it through to you on 
on those extra on extra things the things that i'm i kind of um i'm more focused on myself or, or you know regularly dealing with other benefits and also some of the other cost of living payments and things okay that's fine yeah that sounds uh that sounds fantastic um so we've actually got no questions from the floor at the moment um there's lots of you here plenty of questions to be asked i'm sure um what was that helpline number again for rnib to make contacts yeah it's 0303 123 lovely and they just need people just need to ask about benefits advice yeah if they just ask if they say if, if they just literally say you know i'd like a benefits check um and then give a brief um a brief description of what what their position is you know what the condition is straight away you know they'll, the the advisor in question will be able to you know bring up what might be available what's worth looking into if they want to have a bit more of a an in-depth chat with them they might ask them to call back and then give them a longer appointment um and they can actually run they can there's a calculation an actual benefit calculation for the means tested benefits where they can actually look in and see you know how much money is coming in what could be getting paid out in the event of a claim for pension credit or universal credit um yeah uh, I mean, you mentioned before about the appeals process. Um, I mean, I can, um, you know, I've been through that process myself, um, albeit a good number of years ago, RNIB supported me through that. Um, and we went to appeal and, uh, and DWP didn't even turn up at court. So it was, um, <laughs> that was, yeah, it was, um, it was a very, very easy process um, to go through. Um, and the advisors were really, really supportive. So um, it's nice to know that that kind of thing um, still happens. Yeah, it's still there. We have, I mean, what would happen initially if you get turned down, you, you've got a month to request what they call a mandatory reconsideration. That just means another DWP decision maker will have a look at it. You've then got another month if the, from the, the decision of that to go to appeal. Um, the people that we work with, the, the, the welfare rights um, specialist workers who deal with those cases they do a lot of the mandatory considerations and a lot of them are very successful straight away with the work that they do with the help that they give the ones that aren't successful then go to appeal and they're very successful with them the ones that don't they're not successful would actually come then to me uh, and to a colleague of mine and we then actually appeal the appeal <laughs> and if the appeal that we go to they call the upper tribunal if we're successful there the decision can then become law so one of the key things we like, you know, where we do get a negative decision, we like to follow it through higher. And if the issues there are very contentious, you can get a decision in your favour. That will then become precedent law for other people. And it kind of spreads out, therefore, and helps, helps more people. But the guys who are doing it, you know, the, the, the team who are doing the, the mandatory considerations of the appeals, they're massively successful, honestly, a very, 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 very high standard and a very high success rate. Fab, that's great. Um, right, we're going to try something here. Um, so, according to my thing here, we have somebody with the, with the hand up. Um, so, I'm just going to see if I can allow this person to talk. Um, okay. On my screen is um, as Sandra. Um, if you're there, Sandra, you should have a pop up. Yes, on I am. Can you can uh, you hear me? We can. Yes. Hi, yeah, I, I couldn't actually write in the um, question and answer uh, pop-up box because it, it wasn't letting me, so okay. I don't know if other people are having that problem. 
Um, but what I just wanted, it's not, it's not really a question, it's just about the warm home discount scheme. Um, I've noticed that the, not, not the criteria, but the process for that has changed this year. Um, I went online to see about claiming it and um, the uh, government, uh, the, the, the government um, website just basically says that you don't have to do anything, you don't have to apply to it even to your energy supplier and that you'll just be notified by the government if, if you're entitlement, if you're entitled to it. Um, and I have subsequently had a letter from the DWP to say that I should um, should be getting the payment and again, I don't need to do anything. They'll they'll just contact the energy um, company on my behalf. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, that's it really just good. Seems to have changed. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that's no. That's that's good to hear that that is actually happening. We've had a few people who come to us and, and said they weren't actually they weren't getting the uh, the contact that they'd hoped for. I mean, the other thing that you will get, of course, or you should get, is. Um, um, there's an extra £300 going to people um, in the warm home, uh, sorry, the uh, the winter fuel payment. So there's actually a, a £500 extra fuel payment coming to people of pension age in the winter. That's going to be, I say in the winter, we're in the winter now, but it's going to be probably in January time. There's normally £200 and it's they're adding another 300 to that, 300 to that which is a massive help. Once again, it's automatic. Um, we have to keep an eye on the automatic payment system because it doesn't always work as well as it might. Uh, but it sounds like in your case it has been, Sandra, which is great. Yeah, I mean, and, and just to say mine isn't because of having the pension uh, credit either, because I'm on universal credit. You're on universal credit. You're on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you tick the boxes for it. Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate. The, the, way, the way it was before... Uh, Sadly, about, I think about 300,000 people are going to miss out this year because they've removed it from for automatic entitlement for people on disability benefits, uh, because that used to be one of the, the, the criteria. We argued heavily against that because it, it was um, people who have disabilities tend to need more heating. They tend to be at home more. It's the same principle as actually they apply to giving more money to pensioners because you tend to be, there's more of a likelihood you're going to need more heating. You're going to be at home more. That same exact same um, set of reason reasoning works entirely with people who are disabled, but it wasn't actually it's not actually going automatically to disabled people, only to those who well people who are on the means tested benefit element like universal credit. Um, so as long as it's happening, Sandra, that that's absolutely great. Um, but there's an awful lot of people who we're still fighting for to try and get to try and get more help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sandra, thanks for the your question. That was um, that was fantastic. Thank you. Um, so one thing I just wanted to raise um, about these um, these automatic benefits. Um, so just a little bit of fraud prevention as well. Um, there are a huge number of people who are receiving text messages at the moment um, to say that you're eligible for um, for this payment, um, and then you click on a link on your on your mobile phone, for example. That is a scam. Don't click on in any of those links. You won't be sent a link like that. You will automatically get the payment if if that is the normal um, the normal way of doing so. Um, so please do be vigilant with things like that. A number of people have been caught out 
um, you know, just in sheer desperation to to try and get some additional money in um, at this time of year. Um, we have got one question. Um, can one claim um, PIP and attendance allowance? No, you can't. You can well, you can only get one at a time. What tends to happen is if people make a claim for PIP um, and their condition doesn't look like it's going to get better, they will get what they call a, a no fixed term award. And that means that they'll just keep getting it or they'll have what they call, they might have something called a light touch review, which means they basically just get, they get contacted after several years, probably 10 years and asked if anything's changed. If you get that PIP and you're awarded it and your your award goes on and on, it can go on till, till the end of your life. It can go on till you're 90 or more. Um, you can only get one or the other though. You can't then get attendance allowance as well. If you were making a claim for attendance allowance for the first time, uh, well, sorry, if you're making a claim for a disability benefit for the first time, it would, if you're over pension age, it would have to be attendance allowance. The big difference is, and it is a key point actually, when we were looking at those earlier, attendance allowance doesn't have a mobility component. It only has two lots of care component, whereas PIP has, care, uh, has daily living, which is the same as care, and mobility. And if you get the mobility awarded before you, sit, before you reach pension age, you can keep getting it for the rest of your life. But you can't make a new claim for it on attendance allowance. So actually making a claim, sometimes we do get people who are approaching pension age. And it is a key thing to say, actually, get a claim in for PIP quickly. Because if you do qualify for mobility, you can then keep getting it. But you won't be able to make a claim for it beyond your, your, your pension age birthday. Um, but no, you can only get one at a time. It's the same with DLA, actually, just to mention. Because when if you're a child and you get DLA, when you get to 16, you get a letter telling you to claim PIP. And as long as you claim PIP, you'll keep getting DLA until your PIP decision gets made. But if you don't do that, your DLA will just end at 16 because you can only get one of these benefits at, the same, at, 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 you know, at any given time. Excellent. That's really useful. So for, for me at the moment, for example, I'm claiming PIP. Um, when I get to pension age, um, I appreciate obviously things may change, but if 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 the the current status quo is is as it is, um, then I would I then continue to claim PIP, um, or would I at pension age switch to attendance allowance? No, there's no reason. If you're happy with the PIP amount you get, especially if it includes a mobility element, keep just keep getting it. They might still do a review, you know, they might look every you know to see if you still still have the condition. Um, but if as long as you have, then you'll keep getting it. As long as you still hit the criteria notes for it, which you did before you were pension age, you'll yeah. keep getting it. So yeah. it's a good idea to try and get that award in place. I think if there's mobility involved, get it get it in place before pension age, and then you can keep running on with it for as long as you like. That's fantastic. Lovely. Thank you very much. Um, right, we've got no other questions that have come through. Um, there, there was an awful lot of information there that's been shared. Um, I've certainly learned a lot. Thank you, Dominic. Um, would you share the um, helpline number again, just for our NIB? I will indeed. It's 0303-123-9999. So that's 0303-123-9999. And I'll share all the, I'll share the slides. I'll send you the slides, um, Matthew, and you can pass them around. And I'll also send the cost of living fact sheet uh, that we have and the frequently asked question one as well that we've got at the moment for this year's payments. I'll send all that through and you can circulate it around and um, 
and if anybody wants to get in touch then they, they by all means can do that's fantastic yeah we will um, we'll certainly do that so dominic thank you ever so much for such a fantastic um presentation said i uh, i learned a huge amount um so as we mentioned before retina uk will be delivering at least one webinar every month um we've, we've done so since pandemic so we are going to continue to do so uh, next year so this is the last of uh, 2022 um so we will kick off with a new program again in in january so so look out in your um in your newsletters and such like as to what is coming up um so we will be sending out a follow-up email uh, after after this evening's um webinar uh, may will be early part of next week so we'll include a link as where you can watch um dominic's presentation again um, and we'll also include those handouts that um, that Dominic has mentioned as well, and where you can get some further information um, on claiming these benefits. Um, so once again, Dominic, thank you ever so much. A fantastic session. Um, and thank you ever so much to everybody joining and for those who have asked your questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.